Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Ryan. Three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is now an affiliate of Amazon.com, the online megastore that offers Earth's biggest selection. If you're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyway, we'd appreciate it if you'd first click on the Amazon link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or our affiliates page, and Amazon will kick a few bucks back to us to help fund the free podcast. Today, Tim is going to bring us the story behind Jump by Van Halen. Thank you, Treg. In 1984, Treg and I were smoking weed and listening to the radio. (laughs) We were not. There was no weed smoking. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting to do a song uh, by Van Halen for a long time. Treg doesn't like Van Halen. Really? I like some of their songs, but I'm not a huge, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Van Halen fan. Van Halen is is interesting. I they certainly are very very talented people, but you know, when you think about, you know, classic rock, you, you certainly think of certain artists or certain bands as as being real artists. And and I would probably get a lot of grief from a lot of people if I didn't call them artists, but I don't know that I think of their music as art. I think of their music as pure entertainment. As I look back to the 80s and I say this without any hyperbole, Van Halen was my favorite band for probably 10 years. I I loved Van Halen, and I particularly loved the 1984 album. I liked all of their music. When I first heard 1984, I was completely blown away. And, you know, I was a young kid. I was 18 years old, and and my tastes were a little different back then than they are now, although I still love Van Halen's music, and, and I listen to it on occasion. But I just loved this album. And in fact, I, well, it wasn't really an album. I guess it was a cassette tape. And I wore out probably three cassette tapes. And every one of the songs on this album were just incredible. You know, you've got uh, Hot for Teacher. You've got um, Panama. But these were all really, really great songs. Um, You couldn't go to a dance when we were in high school without hearing this song. Incredible. Well, I refer to this. I refer to this song as the song that broke up Van Halen, and I think there was a lot of uh, tension in the band and underlying uh, conflict, especially between Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth, prior to this song. But this is really the song that was sort of the catalyst that led to the breakup. David Lee Roth really opposed um, the use of synthesizers to the extent that they went uh, with on this album. And this is one of, you know, I've mocked synthesizers in the 80s. You know, they, they're very dated. And as you hear 80s music, it's easily identifiable by those sort of hokey synthesizers. Yeah, right, right. Well, Eddie Van Halen imp- implemented the synthesizer, especially in this song, in a way that I think is incredible. I, I have, to me, it's still a timeless song. I identify it with the 80s because it was such an iconic song for me in the 80s, but I don't think it feels or sounds 80s. It's not that bouncy synth no. pop. Yeah. Typical of the 80s. Right. Yeah, it's not samples. It's no. not sampled sounds. I agree with you on that. And and so I love this song. And to me, um, it it really rocked, uh, even though it didn't open, you know, with that with that strong guitar the way a, a Van Halen song normally would. Well, David Lee Roth didn't like this. And Eddie Van Halen just says, hey, you know, you're going to take it or leave it. He was recording at his own studio by then, and that kind of rankled David Lee Roth just a little bit. And, and basically he said, take it or leave it. So... He recorded the song, and then David Lee Roth actually wrote the lyrics for it, and they recorded it. Now, did, did 
did uh, Eddie Van Halen always play the synths? Because for some reason, I was thinking Michael Anthony did too sometimes. Uh, in but, this case, it was Eddie Van Halen. Oh, okay. Eddie Van Halen, I don't know if, if people realize, he's a classically trained pianist. Oh, really? Yeah. So cool. I'm sure it was he's, him then. He's an incredible, obviously an incredible guitar player. Yeah. Uh, one of, if not the best, you know, rock, hard rock guitar player. You know, I suppose there's probably an argument to be made for a lot of different people, but he's, he's incredible. And yeah. if you've ever seen him in concert, he's just out of control. And there, and this song does feature a really, really great guitar solo, and and Eddie Van Halen refers to it as the greatest guitar solo he ever he never wrote, really, <laughs> because it's it's all in the editing, uh, on on the album. It, uh. it was a compilation of a couple of things that he had done, and they huh. put it all together and created one guitar solo. And so he, you know, he when he plays it live, he clearly he plays it, but it was the greatest guitar solo he never wrote. This song was kind of the catalyst that broke up the band. There was some tension, underlying tension, uh, between David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, David Lee Roth didn't like this song, uh, wanted to kind of stick with the with the hard rock guitar sound. In, a, in an interview with Rolling Stone, uh, Eddie Van Halen claims uh, that the main reason for the split was that Roth and uh, one of the producers, a longtime Van Halen producer, Ted Templeton, both disliked the fact that he'd built his own studio and was able to work on his own uh, music away from their influence. And he said that the first thing he did up there was jump, and both Templeman and, and Roth didn't like it, and he just says, hey, take it or leave it. He said he was getting sick of what their ideas of commercial was, and um, so Roth sort of pursued this solo album, which didn't do very well. It was called Crazy from the Heat, and Eddie Van Halen realized that as they were talking about him doing this solo album, it it, it sounded like, you know, Roth the, the was end. ready to quit. It yeah. was the end. And I will tell you, um, they didn't break up for a, a, quite a while. They toured, did an amazing tour of 1984. So it wasn't that they broke up when the album was released. They had one heck of a successful tour. Um, it's the only concert I ever slept out for two nights to get tickets. <laughs> I was going to ask you if, if you saw the tour. Oh, yeah. I, I slept out, you know, for, for two nights to wow. get tickets because I just, you know, I really just loved Van Halen. And for anybody that grew up where Treg and I grew up, I, I had to sleep out outside of uh, ZCMI on 23rd and Washington all night long. And, and that was an <laughs> oh, experience. Sketchy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, back in 1984, it wasn't as big of a deal as it would be now. But, you know, it was still a little scary to sleep out there. And, and what a line. Uh, there were just people all the way down the street. And it was freezing. So I'm, I'm, you know, laying out in this blanket and sleeping bag in my moon boots, you know, <laughs> waiting all night long. I'd frozen and, you know, people in line who were really smoking weed, unlike when Treg and I weren't smoking <laughs> weed. But it, it was quite an experience. But then, you know, we I um, bought the tickets with a friend, um, uh, another friend, a mutual friend that um, of Treg and, Treg and I. And I don't remember why Treg didn't buy tickets. Maybe he, he just wasn't interested, but I know Doesn't we, like Van Halen. We talked not, to people. Not a fan. Yeah. We <laughs> not, talked a, to, not a heavy fan. We talked to a bunch of people to try to get in and buy tickets. Well, this other guy bought two tickets, and I bought two tickets, and, and we bought them, I want to say, for yeah, 20 23 bucks a piece, you wow. know, which was a lot of money when you're yeah. 17, you know, oh, and yeah. in the 80s, and you're making... Three ten an hour, and <laughs> and so we bought them for about I don't know twenty three bucks a piece, and and my buddy immediately after we bought them walked out on the street and got offered eighty bucks a piece and sold them on the spot. Oh wow! <laughs> there was no way I was selling my tickets. It just wasn't going to happen. 
So um, anyway, I ended up I ended up taking this girl and, and and we had a really good time. But that show was incredible, and we ended up with some pretty good seats. Um, right at the last minute, you know, a bunch of guys crammed into the line, and so the line was really no longer the line it had been all night long. But we we ended up with some with some pretty good seats, and we were really close. And that was a tour. That was an incredible tour. Night Ranger was supposed to be their opening act, and apparently Night Ranger or at least one of the members of Night Ranger got sick that day. Oh, no. So they didn't open, and so they got this horrible, hokey band from Salt Lake, <laughs> some local band to open for Van it? Halen. Do I have know, no idea. Just, no. I'm curious. <laughs> no idea. It was awful. I mean, you know, and, and <laughs> they didn't have, I, I don't even know what kind of sound equipment they had, but you couldn't hardly hear them in the Salt Palace, you know, in Salt Lake City. And and oh, people were throwing drinks at them, and it was <laughs> oh, it no. was a nightmare. I I felt really bad about them, but we were mad because, you know, that was about the time that Night Ranger had just released Sister Christian, so Night right, Ranger right. was really really popular. Yeah. that was like that was like paying twenty three bucks to see two amazing concerts. So we were all really we were really mad. We didn't treat this band very well. I always felt bad about that. But that was an incredible tour. So, you know, I'm living in Japan about a year later in 1985 and and we go into a we go into a camera store to get some pictures developed and right next door was a record store and we walked in and there was a guy that spoke English and he he pointed out this article in in a Japanese newspaper and he said Van Halen Van Halen and I said what about Van Halen and he and he said David Roth, no more oh. <laughs> and I'm like and I thought David Lee Roth had died I'm like oh that's awful <laughs> And he said, no, no, they break up. David Lee Roth, break up, leave Van Halen. I was so mad. And because uh, I loved, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, who's going to be their replacement? Well, of course, later on, it was, you know, Sammy Hagar, who did a great job for them. But it was, it was. A <laughs> I'm com- glad you mentioned No, that. he so did a great you, job. You said that for me. No, <laughs> I think he did a great job, but it was never the same band for me. So if you ask me, did you like? Van Halen with with Sammy Hagar. I will tell you no. I I didn't buy their albums. I didn't listen really? to them. I wouldn't get. But I don't hate them. It was just that they to me they were no longer Van Halen. And here's my take on that. I think that uh, as a as a musician and as a performer, Sammy Hagar is the whole package. All right. He's very talented. He's a great he's a great musician. The only thing that I think that David Lee Roth was better than Sammy Hagar. He was a much better front man. To mm. me, he had more charisma. His performances were more exciting. And I think he's probably a better singer of Van Halen's music. But if you listen to Sammy Hagar music, I think he's he's a very, very good singer. I Can't Drive 55, still one of my classic favorite yeah, songs. Yeah. And and for a song from the 80s, that is still as hard rocking and, and timeless as ever. So I don't dislike Sammy Hagar at all, but I, you know, I have a little prejudice when it comes to, you know, Van Hagar, because to me, it changed the dynamic and, and the overall sound of the band. Sammy Hagar has a really distinctive voice that's a lot different than David Lee Roth, and to me, they never sounded the same again. And I've, I've heard some of their music, and I, I, I admit that it's pretty good, but it, yeah. to me, it's not the same. So it, You know, it, it's a matter of perspective, too. You were, you know, older when, well, how old were you in 1984? I would have been you 18 in 1984, so. Yeah, I was 12. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't until Sammy Hagar kind of took over that that was when I was old enough to really like Van Halen. Yeah. And so the OU812 album was my Van Halen. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that makes sense. just yeah. So I mean, and I love that album. I still listen to it on a regular basis. Yeah. But, um, that makes sense, you yeah. know, and and although I do, I, I think I'm in the minority with Van Halen fans. I think most Van Halen fans do not like Sammy Hagar, although he still has quite a following. No, they were very, very popular, and and they sold a lot of albums uh, with Sammy Hagar, so yeah. they were very good. It it it, it got worse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it could have been uh, what what was the guy's name from Extreme? Do we even want to go into that level of Van Halen? No, David. Uh, what was the guy's name? Do you remember? I had this discussion with somebody at work the other day. And I don't even remember his name. I wanted to say that one, at one point, some a guy from Pearl Jam's. No, that was at the uh, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder, sang at the some award show, or was it when they accepted their like Hall of Fame Hall of Fame show? He sang with them. Yeah. Well, last year, last summer, uh, Van Halen was supposed to come with David Lee Roth. Yes, on and, my birthday, right? And tour. I was so excited yeah. to go get tickets. And within a day. <laughs> yes. They announced the show. Yeah. It was going to be on September Sold 4th. Sold out. Yes. It was going to be on September 4th. No, I don't even know if tickets went on sale, did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tickets okay. went on so sale. so I never got Sold tickets. out. I was going to get tickets regardless, mm-hmm. however I had to get them. But yeah, within a day, show was canceled. The show was canceled because they were fighting again. <laughs> it's just, well, there's I a big was, surprise. Huh? Yeah, that was my one chance. I was like, this is going to be my, my my one chance to see Van Halen as they were, you know. Yeah, back in- done. Back in, uh, back in 1980. No, it could have been 1984. Must have been, must have been later. I I don't remember the dates anymore. But Simon and Garfunkel were going to get together and come to Denver, and we were going to go see them. I really wanted to see Simon and Garfunkel, and um, you know they announced the tour, tickets started going on sale, and all of a sudden Simon and Garfunkel weren't touring anymore. Really, you know? oh, bummer. So you know, and I guess they have a hard time getting along, and that's hard to see. You know, I mean. You know, their, their when, when was this? Their music this is a isn't. Long time ago. You know, their music isn't very uh, harsh or anything. No. I, don't, I don't know what they have to fight about. But. They're hippies, <laughs> I guess. You know, <laughs> they should be loving. Well, and and Sim- Paul Simon clearly has been very successful on his own. Yeah, I mean, Graceland was an incredible yes. album, but but there's a sound that that Simon and Garfunkel have that it was different. That Paul Simon can never achieve. Nope. Even though Graceland, it, in my opinion, is one of the the quintessential albums of all time. Just incredible album. Um, and, uh, excuse me, Art Garfunkel comes to, to Wendover now every other year or so, and you can get tickets for like 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. And, you know, so. so. I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could see him on his own. I don't know. He's got a beautiful voice. Really? But see, I could see Paul Simon on his own. Yeah. I could see him together, but I don't know if I could see Garfunkel on He has own. zero charisma. If, I don't That's, know if you've ever. Yeah. If you listen to that concert in the park album you know where he talks a little bit in between songs and paul simon's kind of funny but art garfunkel man he's just dry just boring (laughs) so i don't know but this is not the art garfunkel podcast (laughs) we're sort of doing what we did with sticks and spent all of our time talking about this um the only thing i could find about what is this song about is there's two stories uh provided by david lee roth one is that the song is about a stripper and I have no idea how that ties into the lyrics, okay? The other story is is that he'd heard about a man on a ledge uh, on the radio. And that's the story I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the more credible version is, you know, go ahead and jump. And Terrible. Yeah. Is, that, is that all there was to it? He heard about somebody on the ledge? Yeah, and, and so he went ahead and wrote this song. You remember that he wrote this song fairly quickly because Eddie Van Halen had already, you know, laid down the tracks for the whole song. Uh-huh. So he, he just went out and wrote it. Um. There is a story here in some of the research that I did where uh, apparently a radio 
uh, a radio announcer, a DJ, got fired because somebody called in and said, hey, will you play this song? There's a guy on a bridge that's going to go ahead and jump. And oh, no. So he, he played the song, and, and then, you know, I don't think the guy heard the song, but then the guy jumped, and but it's all oh, on the air, oh, right, no. that, that he's requesting this song because there's a guy on a ledge, and later on the guy did jump, so the radio announcer got fired. Um, I used to go cliff diving, um, and we would play this song yeah. as we went cliff diving. It was fun. This is one of the top three sports songs of all time. Really? Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. So amazing. There's another piece of trivia. Um, and interesting, I found this really interesting. Um, according to Daryl Hall of Hollow Notes, uh, at one point Eddie Van Halen told him that he copied the synthesizer part from Your Kisses on My List by Hollow Notes. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking back trying to compare the two songs, and I guess they're similar. But anyway, um, Daryl Hall says, hey, I don't have a problem with that. So there cool. you go. Uh, there was a great music video from this when, when music videos first came out, when MTV actually had something to do with music back right. in the day. Uh, you know, we would get together on Friday nights and watch videos. That was a big thing. You know, we would we would go out and go to a movie or go to a dance or something, and then all of our friends would get together at somebody's house, and we'd watch videos. So the girls that we hung out with didn't really care for this music, and, uh, that you know, they listened to New Wave. I really liked this video because... So many of the videos were kind of pretentious back in the day. You know, you had rockers who would kind of look into the camera and sneer and, and try to be bad and, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. Well, you know, this video was just joyous. You know, as you watch these guys, they're just goofing off. But it, it looks very professional, and the production value is really good, and they were just having a good time. Uh, I will say, and this is this was backed up by the girl I took to see the concert, uh, David Lee Roth has a lot of charisma. And, and he is a really good front man, and he brings an energy to those performances that Sammy Hagar and a lot of front men uh, for a lot of rock bands don't have. You know, he's very talented as a singer. I think he's a great singer, but he has a real stage presence that I thought was incredible. The only thing I didn't like about, um, about the concert, and David Lee Roth in particular, is he is just really foul. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, he would talk a lot, which is fun. You know, when you go see a concert, it's great for the band I, to I talk like, in between like songs mm. and interact with the audience. And you kind of, it was a little uncomfortable. You kind of got to the point where, or at least me anyway, I got to the point where you know, I kind of kind of dreaded him talking again because he was just <laughs> really foul. And wow. the things he'd say to the women, you know, on the first few rows were, you know, were really sort of R-rated and, and, mm. uh, and disgusting. So... But, you know, aside from that, it was a lot of fun, and and it was it's a great memory, the fact that, you know, I slept out, and, and I just, I really like Van Halen anyway, so. You, you know what really made this song for me? Uh, the Glee cover. <laughs> no, I'm, joking, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, one thing about this song that you guys will find funny is, you know, back in the day, you had the single, little single albums, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The 45s. And, yeah, the 45s. And I had to buy this twice because the first time I bought Jump by the Pointer Sisters. And <laughs> oh, no. For, <laughs> off, of, off, of the, off of the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. <laughs> so I had to go back and buy Van Halen's version oh, of Jump no. so that I could listen to it on my record player. Oh, that's, good. Yeah. that's good. Although that was not a bad song. Oh, I kind of despise it that. It just song. wasn't Van Halen. <laughs> so... Let me tell you my favorite Van Halen story. It had been rumored for years that Van Halen would always insist to have M and M's in the uh, in the on their rider backstage in the room. In the what? It's called a rider. 
What's in their the contract. Yeah, in their oh, contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to get to that part of it, but oh yeah, Sorry. They, they would always in, they would always insist on having uh, M and M's in in their uh, backstage and in their dressing room, but they also insisted that they don't have any brown M and M's. And so you know, the, the question is, what's wrong with brown M and M's? You yeah. know, do they taste different? Are you discriminating against the poor brown M and M's, or what is it? And so in an interview that I heard with Eddie Van Halen, they asked him about this. Is this true that you would require M&Ms with all the brown ones picked out of it? Because you couldn't really, back at that time, you couldn't buy M&Ms that didn't have the brown ones in it. And he said, yeah, it's true. And the reason was because if they would get to the dressing room and they found M&Ms and there were brown M&Ms in there, they knew they were going to have trouble because the promoter had not read the contract oh. closely because it was in their contract, Interesting. like you say, yeah. And so it, they, they knew that if there weren't any brown M&Ms in the dressing room, if they were all taken out, then it, they were relieved because that meant that all of the details were going to be taken care of. Mm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty, raci- cl- pretty clever. That's racist. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're all brown on the inside. All right. <laughs> yeah, you suck off the outside <laughs> color and they're still brown, right? That's all I got. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks, Tim, for the uh, scintillating discussion about Jump by Van Halen. You can listen to a clip from the song on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the Rocktail Hour website. Please send us an email at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, please keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Did you say my podcast was scintillating? Yeah, I saw I was thinking too. <laughs> <laughs>